Welcome to the Fox River Podcast. Our mission is a heart for people and a message of Jesus. We hope you are encouraged in your faith through this message. Thanks for listening. Well, hey, everybody. Uh, let's start out with a little bit of a just true and false. If you are confident in your answer, you can just shout it out. If you're not quite as confident, you can just say it softly that way. Ready? True or false? If you follow Jesus, life will always be good. <laughs> True or false? If you follow Jesus, life will most of the time be good. True or false? If you follow Jesus more times than not, so at least 51% of the time, life will be good. <laughs> I'll just give you one more here. True or false? If you follow Jesus, you will always be safe in life. There is definitely tension in the air, isn't there, at this point. We're coming into a new series, and it's called The Highs and Lows of Following God. I'm really looking forward to it for a number of reasons. One of it is um, some of the important truths that we're going to be able to kind of like get our arms wrapped around are so important to us that if we don't, Chances are, at some point, we are gonna end up with a shipwrecked faith, and many have. Many of our friends have as well, and we wanna be prepared to be able to help them as well. The other reason is kind of the converse of that, which would be, if we get a hold of these truths and principles, I will guarantee you that you will enter into a deeper relationship with God, and you'll be growing in your relationship with God as well. Let me give you our series maxim. It's a truth that we're gonna come back to over the next several weeks together, and it's this. That following is filled with highs and lows. Would you say that with me, everybody? Following is filled with highs and lows. One more time, everybody. Following is filled with highs and lows. Following Jesus, following God. You're gonna find it is filled with highs and lows. So let's just do a, you know, Pause for reality check. How many today would say that you came in? I mean, you're in a good place in life. You came in and you came into church high today. Well, maybe not that. Uh, <laughs> we'll just say that you're in a good place in life right now. How many are like, yeah, life is good right now? Okay, great. Okay. Um, how many would go, unfortunately, not so? Um, things are not going good right now. And there may be any number of reasons uh, for that. Um, some very serious, some it's just like difficult and depressing, and that's what you've got to deal with. How many would say you're at a low point that way? Other, raise your hand. Oh, we're in a, that kind of a group this morning, okay? Um, every weekend, we know that we're coming together and the people that are sitting next to us, some of them are like, you know, really cool things going on in their life, and some are going through some of the hardest things they've ever gone through in life already. And so we want to make sure that we're not only taking this scriptural fact that following is filled with highs and lows, but we also want to make sure that we've coupled it with this important truth. And it comes from this ancient writing that you see on the screen behind me. And it goes, I mean, it is ancient. It goes way, 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 way back in time. But it's also got a contemporary sense to it. In fact, you could put it on a tattoo if you wanted to. And it symbolizes this. Look at it. I'm sure you can see this. 
that God is greater than the highs and lows. Whatever we're going through right now, God is in the midst of it, and he is greater than the highs and lows, and we're gonna see if we can open that up. Now, one of the ways we're gonna do this and approach this series is by looking at it through the eyes of an individual. One person in particular, his life is going to illustrate this truth that following is filled with highs and lows, is a man by the name of Elijah. You may have heard of the prophet Elijah before. And there's one thing that the scripture wants us to be crystal clear on when it comes to Elijah. And James, half-brother of Jesus, is the one who tells us this. And he says that Elijah was a person just like us. Meaning the things that Elijah is going to go through, the lessons that he's going to be learning, are lessons that God wants for us to be able to take hold of in our life as well. So, let's step into it, shall we? Now, if you happen to have a Bible with you, it's gonna be really helpful, and I want you to open it up to 1 Kings chapter 17. If you have a Bible on your phone, Bible app there, open that up, please, and go to 1 Kings chapter 17. We're actually gonna work our way through the whole chapter, and so having it in front of you, I guarantee it's just gonna, you're gonna see some more things if you're able to look with it as we read through it. And if you don't have a Bible app on your phone, you can use the QR code that's in front of you right now. You can download the Bible app, and you can have it on by the time that we're done. You've got plenty of time for it, and I'd encourage you to do that. We start out in verse number one, 1 Kings 17. It says, now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe, cracks me up, the Tishbite from Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives whom I serve, there will neither be dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. To which you may be going, what the heck is going on here? It's a good question. What do you need to know in order to understand like what's going on here and the scene that we're stepping into. And there's a couple of things. The first thing you'd wanna know is this, that Israel, the nation, has been a world superpower for over a century. Under King David, under King Solomon, a place of power. But a civil war has taken place in Israel and it's divided the nation. They're about 60 years into it right now. You look on the top, you've got Israel, this gets confusing, right? Because I thought the whole thing was Israel, but now they're called Israel, and it's made up of 10 of the 12 tribes of Israel. On the south, in the yellow or the gold, you'll see, that is Judah. Judah's made up of two of the tribes, so the landmass is about the same that way. Now, if you go down to the south, in the gold, you're gonna find Jerusalem and the temple of God. Now, that's significant. Because all of the Israelites know that to worship God, you need to go to the temple to be able to do so. And that's just the way their whole system was set up at that point. Which presented a problem if you happen to be a ruler in the north, in Israel. Because if your people from there are going down to the south to worship, well, before long, they're going to shift their political alliances. And then they're going to become a part of the south and you're going to lose power. So you've got to do something about it. You need to come up with a substitute. And that's what's gonna happen. We find Ahab here, the king, he's gonna go and make a political alliance to a nation just to the north of Israel, Phoenicia. And he's gonna marry a Phoenicia princess whose name is Jezebel. 
Anybody ever heard of Jezebel before? Oh yeah, this is, this is the Jezebel. And so Jezebel, when she comes to Israel as a queen, brings with her the Phoenician god, Baal. And Baalism just takes root in all of Israel. Baal just so happens to be the god of rain and the god of fertility. And so when Elijah now comes walking in to the king's throne room in Samaria, that's the kingdom of the north, with all this Baal and trappings all around him, he makes this proclamation. He said, um, in the face of Baal, he goes like, uh, Ahab just wants you to know that for the next several years, there's gonna be no rain in Israel. Now let that sink in. Can you imagine going an entire summer, an entire summer, and it didn't rain once? What would your lawn look like? You would have no garden, right? I mean, like, it would be devastating. But then to go a whole year, and then two years, three years, and it's only in Israel. Judah, to the south, they've got rain. All the nations around, they've got rain. But Judah, there is no rain. Like, what is going on? It's like God is calling out. He goes like, you wanna trust in the God of rain? He goes like, I'm willing to take that bet. I'm willing to take that challenge. And Elijah's the one that announced it to the king. Now, after a few months of drought, Elijah becomes a wanted man. I mean, Ahab is on the look to be able to bring him in and to fix this thing. So knowing what you know now, we come to verse two, which says, then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here, like get out. <laughs> Turn eastward and hide in the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan. And you will drink from the brook and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. And so he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kirith Ravine east of the Jordan and he stayed there. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening and he drank from the brook. Let's pause right there. When Elijah goes out in this setting here, The scene that he's entering would look something like this. I actually took these pictures when we were in Israel last time. It's a very arid, it's a desert place. They call it the Negev over there. But in the Negev, you can find a little oasis. This is a place that like Elijah's going into. This one's called Negedi. In the midst of you know, miles and miles and miles of barrenness, you get this plush area in which there's life. And that's where Elijah's like. He's got this brook. And then he's also got, I mean, did you, did you get, get this when we were reading it? He not only has water, but he's got bird DoorDash. I mean, ravens are bringing like food, like, like what? I mean, ravens are flying him in. They're flying him in bagels and they're flying him in pita bread and there's pumpernickel and there's rye and there's raisin bread. I mean, all that's getting flown in daily. It's fresh. And he's getting meat that's brought in too. I mean, Elijah's getting flown in, you know, fresh fish and beef and chicken and pork. Wait, this is Israel. 
Scratch the pork. No pork is being flown in that way. Elijah's in this place of great, miraculous provision. I mean, just like, think about it, like, wow. He's growing in his relationship with God. Would you describe him in a place of high or low in following God? For sure, right? I mean, like, like, this is amazing. But then verse seven. And sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. You go from having water to a place you no longer have water and you're in the middle of a desert. High or low? I mean, yeah, like this is not good right now. Now it's really easy just to read these words sometime later, which takes about a second and a half to read. But that phrase there comprises about 12 months, one year. So in this perspective, let's just you know, put ourselves where Elijah is and take in a little bit of the texture, a little bit of the experience. Day one, when Elijah gets to the brook, he goes like, thank God there's water there. And sure as the world, ravens fly him in food. You're like, I can't believe this just happened. Seven days later, he's experienced not only enough water to drink, but every day, twice a day, the ravens are brought in food. It's like, pinch me, right? Like, like, like wow. 30 days go by, and it's, like clockwork, three months, six months, nine months later, every day, you can set your sundial to it. Here come the ravens, here come the food. Wonder what they're bringing today. But after about six, nine months, do you know what you start to do? You're like, where's the birds? Like, what's going on? You know, like, they seem to be a little bit late today. You, get, you start to take it for granted, don't you? Like, we, we all do this provision that's going on. 10 months, 11 months, until you get somewhere in that 11, 12th month. And the water's getting less and less until the day comes that there's no more water. The birds stop coming and there's no more food. You're in the middle of nowhere. And this is the question you gotta ask. What do you do when the provision that you've been used to counting on stops? What happens when the job that you've had for such a long time, all of a sudden, it's gone? What happens with the health that you've had? I mean, it's like you can always, I mean, you can do whatever you want, whenever you want, and all of a sudden, that health just dries up. What do you do when that which we just took for granted stops? Now, normally what we do is this. We focus Not on the provider, but we focus on the provision. And in particular, we focus on what we've lost. That's our tendency, right? Um, When we're going through the recession that we're in, if you're starting to feel the pinch of the recession, do you focus on all of the blessings that you have or do you focus on, man, my grocery bill is really tight right now. Like, this is painful every time I go to the pump, right? Our focus usually goes to what it is that we're missing. I've heard this story over and over again. Year after year after year, as people were putting into their 401ks and they're planning for their retirements, and they watched year after year, the stock stock market went up, it went up, it went up, it went up, until it didn't. And then it like went down. And you know what people focused on? They obsessed on what was lost 
Not what was left, but what was lost. We focus on the provision rather than the provider. Because that's a natural tendency for all of us. When we don't have what it is that we take for granted, when we find ourselves in a place of low like Elijah does, we're gonna have to make a choice. Where are we gonna focus? And do we believe that God is greater than the ups and the downs? Well, we go on. Because if it weren't for verse seven and the low, well, Elijah would never experience what takes place in verse eight. By the way, if you've never read this chapter before, by the time we get to the end, you're just gonna be going like, shut up, I didn't know the Bible was this good. This is like amazing. I'm actually gonna start reading this. I mean, guarantee. Verse eight. Then the word of the Lord came to him. I want you to go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I've directed a widow to supply you with food. Elijah's like, okay. So he went to Zarephath and he came to a town gate. And a, win- and a widow was there and she was gathering sticks. Then he called to her and said, hey, would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may drink? And as she was going to get it, he called, and bring me please a piece of bread. Now here's where she stops. She turns. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replies, I don't have any bread. I only have a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug, and I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and to make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Now you may think, this woman is really dramatic, right? I mean, like, like really? But in this case, it was really. She knew that was the case, and this was the inevitability. So Elijah says to her, don't be afraid. Right. Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me. From what you have and bring it to me and then make some for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up. The jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. Now here's our question. What are we gonna do when God says, trust me? I mean, when he tells Elijah, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to Zarephath. Now understand, from where he's, where he's at, it was a hundred mile walk. And it literally was uphill. It's in the land of Phoenicia of all places. That is the home of Baal. Though it may be the last place that, ah- that Ahaz was ever going to um, look for him there. But he says, I'll trust God. Now the woman, that's a different story. She wasn't a follower of God. She didn't have this history that Elijah did. And when she got home, I mean, she knew what God was asking of her. She knew what Elijah said. And she looked at the flower. This is all there is. What are you gonna do when God says, Trust me. What would you do when God says, trust me? Now in this case, as surprising as it may be, we read, 
that she went away and did what Elijah had told her. And so there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word the Lord had spoken to Elijah. And if you're taking notes, you can write two and a half years in the margin. For two and a half years, this woman is going to experience what you can only experience when you obey what God has asked you to trust him in. Let me say that again. For two and a half years, she experiences the blessing, the high that only comes when we're willing to obey God. Now this comes right home to us. Because if I were to ask you, when was the last time you knew, you knew this is what God wants me to do, but quite honestly, you couldn't reason your way to figuring out how it was gonna work out for you in life if you did it. Can you think of a time? Maybe it was just sharing Jesus with a neighbor. You knew God wants me to share Jesus with my neighbor, with my coworker. But you didn't know how it was gonna turn out. It's like, this could sour the relationship, this could be, you know, this could be problematic at work. You just couldn't figure out like, how this is gonna end up good. I actually had, this happened to me this past week. Maybe for you, it may be in an area of putting God first in your finances. Now you know, God says, the purpose of the tithe is to put me first. But we look at what we have. And sincerely, if we had more, we would be happy to be able to give. We'd be happy to put God first. But with what I've got, and if I gave to God, I really, I don't know how it would work out. Because I barely have enough, or maybe I don't have enough right now to be able to do that. What are you gonna do when God says, trust me? Could be something as simple as forgiveness. You know Jesus says, I want you to forgive the one who's offended you. But you're thinking like, I don't know how that's gonna work. I don't see that coming out for good if I do that, which is why we haven't done it. Or something as simple and yet as meaningful as a believer's baptism. Jesus has asked every one of his followers, so if you've received Jesus and you think back to the time on such and such a day, such and such a time, this is when I received Jesus. Since the time you've received Jesus, he asks you to be baptized with believer's baptism. So I'm not asking, have you ever been baptized, but have you been baptized since you received Jesus? And you go like, I know that's what Jesus says, but I just can't see how this works out. I just don't rationalize in my mind. Because if it doesn't get me to heaven, if it doesn't wash away my sins, why do I have to do this, right? I mean, why do I have to do this? I don't wanna get my hair wet in public. You know, I don't want to, you know, whatever it is, I don't want, I don't want the family pushback. I don't wanna have the question, you know, like all these things that go in our mind, they just keep us from, we know what Jesus wants us to do, but we can't figure it out. This woman, how do you figure this out, learned what she could only learn in obedience. And don't let that go by you. Sometimes we learn from God and his faithfulness only in obedience. So, two and a half years. Jar doesn't run dry, oil doesn't run out. 
would you say that she and Elijah are at a high point in following or low? Not a trick question. Yeah, like, this is a miracle. It's, you know, this is wonderful. Which makes what happens next doubly perplexing to me. Verse 17. Sometime later, meaning weeks, months, maybe a year, every day going to the jar, every day receiving this miraculous provision. Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. And he grew worse and worse, and he finally stopped breathing. He died. And she said to Elijah, what do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and to kill my son? This is a question that we ask often. How can somebody who's following God experience something like this? How can I have a miracle in the morning and I am mourning the death of my son before the evening? I thought if I'm following, this would never happen to me. Verse 19 says, give me your son. And Elijah took him from her, carried him up into the upper room where he was staying and laid him on the bed. And look at this. Then he cried out to the Lord. Lord, my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I'm staying with causing her son to die? It wasn't only this woman that was experiencing a low. Elijah had no idea why this would happen. Elijah is in the lows again in following. And then he stretched himself on the boy three times and he cried out to the Lord. Lord my God, let this boy's life return to him. What Elijah was asking was unprecedented. Here's what I mean. Never in the history of the world has there been a resurrection. I mean, not once. Elijah wasn't going like, hey, in the time of Abraham, or God, what you've done before, would you do this again? It had never been done. And what dulls us to this just a little bit and the audaciousness of what Elijah's doing is we become a little bit um, resurrection oversaturated. Here's what I mean by that. Because of the gospel, because we know that Jesus is risen from the dead, and we are so rooted in that truth, we're like, of course, you know, of course God is the God of life, and God can resurrect from the dead. But that's from us and our perspective. It had never been done in the world before. But Elijah said, Lord, would you do this? Verse 22 says, and the Lord heard Elijah's cry and the boy returned to him and he lived. And Elijah picked up the child and carried him from the room and he gave him to his mother and said, look, your son lives. And then the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. High or low? At this point, I don't know, can you get any higher than this? Now, I want to take us back 
to the maxim that we began with. And the maxim we began with is this. Want to say it with me? Following is filled with highs and lows. One more time. Following is filled with highs and lows. In this one chapter, it goes about three and a half years chronology. In these three and a half years, we've got at least six, right? I mean, we've got these high highs that Elijah and others have experienced. We've got these low lows that have experienced, and Elijah's just trying to faithfully follow. And this is just like us. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. Three and a half years, six highs. It's almost like every year there's going to be a high and there's going to be a low. You can almost mark it down. And we remember this truth that God is greater than the highs and the lows. You don't want to miss that. Here's one of the reasons why. Because in the highs, the good times of life, we all have the potential to glorify God, right? I mean, look what God has done. And to grow in him and to enjoy his blessings. But we also have the opportunity to miss him. Because many people actually drift from God in the good. Because when life is good, we take it for granted. We, I, can forget to glorify God. I can forget to keep focused on God because I'm so focused on the good and enjoying it in my life. And then in the lows, it is also true that in the lows, we have the opportunity to be able to glorify God if we're willing to come to him in our need and to ask him for the help that we desperately need. So many people, they get lost in the lows. Their shipwreck gets faith because how can somebody who is faithfully following Jesus have to go through this in life? Don't you find this curious? that Christians have a harder time dealing with the lows in life than non-Christians. Why is that? Maybe because if you're not a Christian, you're not a child of God, well, you know that life's not fair. And you know that the world, the universe, is a cold, hard place. And so what can you expect? On the other hand, but I'm a Christian. I'm a child of God. I've got a heavenly father who loves and cares for me. And I begin to think, shouldn't he protect me? Shouldn't he keep me? Shouldn't he keep my kids from this pain, from this suffering? Do you think that or just me? And it's so easy forget this truth that Jesus said and he was clear with his disciples in this world you will go, you will have trouble Jesus taught his disciples about the woman of Zarephath and of Elijah why because he wanted them to know 
following is going to be filled with highs and lows. Don't be thrown off balance by that. Don't lose your faith when you're going through a low going like, what's wrong with me? It's all a part in the following journey. But God, God is greater than the highs and lows. In fact, he makes this statement. And the statement is in the context of being in a low or difficulty of life. It says, Romans 8, 28, that we know that in all things, that is yes, the stuff you're going through right now, the pain that your friend is in, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, for those who are called according to his purpose. So today, when we come to Jesus, who's at the heart of following, it's true. Some people come to him in the midst of the highs, but they, there are many, many others that come to him in the midst of the lows, because in the lows, we recognize the need that we have for God, that we're just one meal away, we're one day away from that's all that there is. And if you haven't received him yet as Savior, when you come to understand that Jesus' death on the cross, it was personally for you, it was for your sin. And that Jesus extends this offer, not only of forgiveness, but of life and hope for everything you go through. You may be ready to put your faith and trust in him. And if that's you today, I'm gonna to lead you in a prayer to invite Jesus to come into you. But we've also got a time set up today to, just to give us a little bit of space before we walk out to think about this, that following is filled with highs and lows. And where I find myself today, what do I know God wants me to do? And am I willing to trust him? I may not be able to figure it out, but if I know God wants me to be baptized, I'll tell you, in three weeks we've got a, a, a believer's baptism that's scheduled for the weekend. We've even got an outdoor baptism at the lake option if you, if you want to do that or whether you do it in here. But you're going like, I know God wants me to do that. I'm just going to say yes to him today. Maybe it's trusting him in an area of finance. Maybe it's trusting him because you just lost your job. Maybe it's trusting him because this health crisis you're going through, you feel like you're losing your faith in. Maybe it's trusting him when you see something like I've seen over the last couple weeks that's just absolutely heartbreaking. And I can't understand why, other than we live in a world that is filled with sin, that one human being would do this to another human being. Whatever that is for you, let's say yes today and to trust God so that we can learn what we will only learn in this faith that he's called us into. Would you join me in this prayer, please? Jesus, thank you for going to the cross. Thank you for suffering hell for us. Thank you for offering to us a new relationship with God and help and hope in life right now. And for those that are ready to put their faith and trust in you, Jesus, even as they make this simple prayer, I need that, Jesus. Please, as I call to you, would you receive me 
If it's your prayer to trust Jesus today, can I ask you, would you with an upraised hand simply acknowledge that? God, that's my prayer. And as best I know, I'm trusting Jesus as my savior. Yeah, I can hold up just for a second. Sometimes it'll take me just a second to see you. Sure. And then I wanna ask you as a Christian, you've already received Jesus, you know that. But you also know this is what God wants me to do. But up to now, you haven't. Today, in this moment, will you say yes to him? And if that's the case, I'm gonna ask you, with an upraised hand, simply to acknowledge, I am saying yes to this ask that God is clearly making of me in my life right now. Everywhere, just lift a hand. Yes, God. I'll do that. Yes, I'm ready to follow you and take this next step. Please give us the grace that we need, Father. Help us to keep our eyes fixed and focused on you and discover that you really are greater than the highs and lows and are with us in all of them. We pray in your mighty name and all God's people said. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends. Visit us online at foxriverchristian.org or check us out in person. Thanks again for listening to the Fox River Podcast.